you get me? Uh, Cornerstone is one of them. Another one is um, uh, Reckless Love. They just both just, I, I'll listen to them at home sometimes, and I get kind of weepy-eyed and stuff. But, you know, it's it's good for me. It gets me off a lot of other things that I don't need to be on. So, you know, as far as thoughts and feelings. All right, today I am going to speak about solitary confinement or isolation. Are we in solitary confinement? Confinement. And the definition from uh, Merrill Webster is the housing of an adult or juvenile with minimal to rare meaningful contact with other individuals. Okay? Most individuals will not choose solitary confinement unless they feel threatened by past, present, or future events, real or imagined. Human beings were created to be social creatures so that the idea of being totally isolated should be frightening at the least. But in this fallen creation, there are events so traumatizing, affecting both individuals and groups alike, that God's plan for social structuring can be damaged or destroyed beyond man's repair. There is a book out, some of us have been reading, uh, it, it's really been good for me, it's The Metatonia Method, Metanoia Method, excuse me, um, by Kent and Heather McKean, it's, it, does, it does a lot for me. I sometimes just have to go back over the chapter each time to get kind of get my whole thing around it, my whole being. Um, I have found this book to be challenging more than I like. There is a section in there called Victim or Victor Mindset. I will not go into detail about the chapter, but I find that there is confusion on my part to where I fit in always about that. I, it, it vacillates with me um, daily, sometimes just reading the book. Um, during these times of emotional unrest, I find that I place myself in solitary confinement, consciously or not, because I become ashamed of my inability to cope or overcome my various flaws. Even though I know that God has rescued me many times, I feel weak and unworthy, incredibly self-centered. It, it's a setup for me to, you know, to beat myself up for being self-centered. It's also set up for me just to, um, how do I feel? Do should I feel convicted about, you know, being self-centered? Should I feel convicted about, you know, being weak or whatever? Um, anyway, I think I've shared this before with some of you that I don't rest well, R-E-S-T, day or night. During these times, I become very critical of myself finding reasons to consider myself a fraud and a hypocrite. I share this with you because in case something like this occurs within you, you are not alone, as Satan might like you to think, for me to think. Rather, if Satan considered you and I harmless, he would leave us alone. Okay. I want to um, end with two scriptures, one from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. Um, The first one, I think some people, we're probably everybody's familiar with, but it, it still hits me pretty good. It's uh, Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14b. And it reads, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to prosper you and not, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me 
and you find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and bring you back from captivity. Now, I put in that last part, the B part, to bring you back from captivity, because that's one of the parts that I feel like I'm in a lot of times when I talk about solitary confinement. I need to be brought back from my, you know, my captivity. Not, I know about the rest of it has always been very important to me, the first part of that. But I just find myself, you know, really, um, I'm a very emotional person. I was talking with somebody earlier. When I was in the military 20 years, I stuffed everything. I stuffed, uh, you know, feelings and stuff like that. I just, you know, thought I was going to man up or whatever. And then, unfortunately, things worked out as I was getting ready to retire. My first wife left me. She didn't want to be, I guess, around me retired. So, um, and I, so I, you know, well, I mean, I, you know, I wasn't, you know, I, I was not a piece of, you know, a, a nice piece of cake or anything, you know. I, I was a, a functional husband, you know, reliable. But I, I did not, you know, I did not meet her needs as I realize now. She she grew up in a family where the mom was an alcoholic, the father was dysfunction. She was the oldest of all of the children, and so she had to play surrogate mother to about four or five other kids growing up. And I didn't get that at the time. It just, I didn't get it because I didn't grow up in that kind of family. So I, I was not there for her, you know. Um, so anyway, so anyway, uh, going back to that scripture, Jeremiah 29.11, you know, that's part of my captivity sometimes is the guilt and stuff that I have done that I don't seem like I want to forgive myself for. Now, I, my last one I go to here, it's always been a very you know, positive one. It overwhelms me sometimes, quite frankly. It's John 15 verses 15 through 16. John 15 verses 15 through 16. I no know, I know longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. I always have trouble. Um, I always have trouble understanding what you just did. And um, thought I was going to get through this already. I guess not. <laughs> but, um, I, I, I'm always just amazed when I'm really beating myself up often or just, you know, being critical about stuff because I'm just you know, I'm just in a weird way, you know, even though I should not be that way, because God has done wonderful things for me. Um, but when I, you know, when I think about the fact that he chose, I didn't even look for him. I didn't. I found him by going to a church by accident. I was just trying to find a way to keep getting, getting kicked out of halfway houses downtown Atlanta. But he chose me to go to that church, there's no question. And it just, it's really... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, anyway, that, that's um, basically what it, you know what it is when we, I, you know, when I'm getting these places like that. You know, I realize I'm being attacked by Satan, the one I call the great distractor, because he can he can just jar me out of my thoughts for one second. You know, I'm lost, and he's won the moment. So that's why I call him. You know, I know he's a lot of other things too, but 
He just hey, he knows how to distract me. He doesn't have my DNA like God, but he knows my buttons, my levers. Um, but you know, there's there's you know there's ways out. There's there's ways out. I mean, I have a wonderful wife. Anybody knows that I. I, I didn't, I would have never met her. I was in Atlanta and somebody here in Huntsville had heard about me going out with single moms. And she was a single mom. She said, would you please go out with like this single mom blind dates? And I did a lot of that because I needed to. I, I was, you know, I needed to. I was just really messed up. And it was just a great thing to be able to go out with single moms, be able to go out with older ladies in my age group. I was the oldest single dating guy in Atlanta that would not get dates. And uh, it immediately just, I could feel something happening to me that I was, you know, I found myself being very unclean. I'd gotten into pornography and stuff when my first wife left me. I just, I was not raised that way. I just completely went, you know, off the, off the grid of any sort of reality. But being able to do the Christian dating, the pure dating, it just, it was the best thing, you know. I mean, finding God, of course, but that was the second best thing ever happened to get me ready but it's fine. Time when God would set me up on a blind date with somebody that lived here. He knew that all along. He knew I was having trouble in Atlanta because I was not used to being in big cities. I was a small town station with, with traffic and stuff. So I was first time in my life I was having a road rage. I just thought I, I'm not going to make it as a Christian. I'm here. I'm a disciple. I'm clean and sober. I'm doing, but yet I'm I'm going. I'm just like people driving. I'm taking it personally. It was just weird. But God had a plan for me. He wanted me to, to, you know, date, learn how to be a Christian date, learn how to, you know, in, encourage people, not just, you know, the sisters, but the brothers. It just really worked me out of myself. And it was great to be able to uh, double date with younger guys. And a lot of guys who had been in the ministry, single guys been in ministry since they were like teens you know, and in campus. And I'm going out with these guys and I'm just telling them like, you know, you guys are amazing. You got this early. You were, you know, I just, and I, I was, I thought, you know, you guys have just really done well, but they would always turn around for the most part and encourage me back by saying, "We, you are amazing because you, you were homeless. You crawled out of the homeless and you were positive and high, you know, and they say, I hope my older brother or my father turns out like you. So it was like equal, 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 always equal encouraging. And, uh, you know, I was, I was set up to win. And I, I'm appreciative of that. You know, I don't always look or act it. Like I say, I put myself back in solitary confinement. It's just, it's it's a process. I need, you know, I need the church. I need praise and worship. I need scripture. And I need the encouragement of people like my wife as well as everybody else here. Anyway, I wanted to close with that. Um, thank you for <laughs> kind of got a little emotional there. But it, it's it's all good, as they say. Um <laughs> Good morning, good morning, Father. Um, thank you for another great Sunday to come out here. Thank you that I have a place after all these years I can come to you on a Sunday. I never thought of it, you know, for my first shoot, 45 years of my life. You know, Sunday was not, you know, a day for church unless I was trying to meet somebody or some, you know, something really worldly. But in, in general, you know, Sunday was not, not a day for church for me. And now it's, you know, it, it's very necessary. And I'm just very grateful for that. Um, as we take the communion, you know, all of you have your own, you know, versions and visions and uh, things like this have happened to you. Just remember, you know, we are not alone. We, you know, we are in a battle. And, um, you know, Satan's going to try to always isolate us and make us feel like we're the only ones who are, you know, weird right now. But that's not the truth, okay? Amen.
I am going to, uh, for the contribution, I want to say a prayer, but I'm going to call a little audible here and go to one. 